Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Our opening music today is from Nepal. Celebrities take part in a coronavirus song. In the video, the entertainers demonstrate hand washing, monitoring fevers, and social distancing practices, such as avoiding shaking hands. This program was researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. This is edition NWS 607 for release on Sunday, October 11th, 2020. On our program today, the early shortwave scene in Nepal, part one. Our Australian shortwave call sign, VLT, and our Philippine DX report from Henry Umarai. The August issue of the monthly American radio magazine Nasswood Journal contains a brief item of information regarding the radio scene in the landlocked country of Nepal over there on the edge of the high Himalaya mountains. This news item via the World Radio TV Handbook Monitor states that the low-power shortwave transmitter in Nepal, noted on 5005 kHz, has been closed as of mid-June 2020. We would ask a double question, which shortwave transmitter in Nepal was closed in mid-June and at which location? In an attempt to answer this question, we investigate the entire spectrum of the shortwave scene in Nepal over the past almost 100 years, and after that, We'll then be able to identify the specific old shortwave transmitter that was recently closed, together with its location. Here's Ray Robinson. Thanks, Jeff. The mountainous country of Nepal lies as a buffer state between its huge and considerably larger neighbours, China and India. The country itself is 500 miles long and 150 miles wide. The northern areas are composed of rugged and high mountain ranges, and the southern areas are made up of farmlands and villages, though in many locales it is still quite hilly. The total population of Nepal is in the range of 27 million, and the capital city is Kathmandu, with around three quarters of a million inhabitants. As in other parts of the world, Nepal has undergone its share of woes due to the ravages of the China virus. Latest statistics from Nepal indicate that the total number of known cases is approaching 40,000, with a total of 200 known deaths. Nepal's tourism industry, again as in so many other countries, has been hard hit by the government-restricted travel and stay-at-home orders. In March, the government withdrew all trekking and climbing permits for climbing Mount Everest, a major blow to the country's tourism-driven economy. The story of shortwave broadcasting in Nepal began in the year 1939, when on November the 20th, Radio Kathmandu was noted in the United States on 14780 kHz, with a program of music and announcements in both English and one of their local languages. This broadcast, in which reception reports were requested, was made from a low-powered communication transmitter, and it was the first of seven informal, irregular, unofficial and official attempts at shortwave broadcasting. 
those low-powered broadcasts from Radio Kathmandu around the end of the year 1939 and into early 1940 were heard also by two or three other international radio monitors in the United States. Five years later, the voice of the Himalayas was noted in the United States again with a six-hour program of broadcasting on 11790 kHz. That program service was noted in March 1945, their second attempt at shortwave broadcasting in Nepal. During the month of December in the following year, 1946, the Royal Prime Minister, Padma Shamsher Rana, inaugurated a radio broadcasting service with the use of a hybrid transmitter that was constructed from radio receivers that were brought in by Nepali soldiers returning home after the war. This low-powered 5-watt station, known as Nepal Broadcasting, was operated by the city electricity authorities, and it was on the air daily for one and a half hours for a few months into the new year 1947. And that was attempt number three. Then, a year later, in January 1948, the same Royal Prime Minister, Padma Shamsher Rana, reintroduced a radio broadcasting service utilising the same hybrid transmitter with a few additional modifications. On this occasion, his station was on the air under the same city electrical authority, this time until around mid-year. And that was attempt number four in our list of seven early attempts at shortwave broadcasting in Nepal. Later that same year, in August 1948, the same Prime Minister made his third attempt to establish a regular broadcasting service, this time with the use of two imported radio transmitters. Once again, success was achieved for only a short period of time. So that was attempt number five. Then, on December thirteenth, 1950, at 8.30pm, a new shortwave voice was heard from Nepal, and the actual location of that station was at Birat Nagar, in eastern Nepal, close to the border with India. That station operated with 250 watts in the 41 metre band, and it was attempt number six at establishing a shortwave broadcasting service in Nepal. It was a successful attempt, because out of that station, the real Radio Nepal was established. In fact, it's true that all of those earlier radio ventures did at least succeed in one matter. They were paving the way for what finally became a regular radio broadcasting service in Nepal. However, a dozen years after the official Radio Nepal was inaugurated, there was an interesting attempt to introduce another shortwave service for coverage in South Asia, a commercially operated Voice of the Himalayas. This new shortwave commercial service in Nepal was intended to rival and outrank the widely popular commercial service of Radio Ceylon. An advertisement for the projected high-powered voice of the Himalayas was printed on page 50 in the 1963 edition of the World Radio and TV Handbook. This half-page advertisement indicated that a radio organisation in Switzerland planned to establish a commercially operated shortwave service in Nepal that would be on the air in ten languages, that is seven languages of Asia, as well as English, French and Spanish. But nothing culminated regarding the projected voice of the Himalaya shortwave radio broadcasting station, nothing whatsoever. All we can presume is that the government of Nepal simply refused to issue a broadcasting license. So that was attempt number seven in the story of seven attempts, informal, irregular, unofficial and official, at early shortwave broadcasting in Nepal. Next week we'll continue our look at the radio scene in Nepal with the story of radio transmissions from Mount Everest. 
Back to you, Jeff. Thank you very much, Ray. Ray Robinson there at KVOH in Los Angeles. Now over to the Philippines, here's Henry Umarhai with his DX report for October. Hello, everyone. To our dear shortwave listeners, wherever you are, welcome to the October 11th edition of the Philippine DX. This report number 163. I'm Henry Umatay in Bacolod City, Negros Occidental Central Philippines. Glad to be back and thank you for listening. I would like to thank our DXer friends for sending their reception report most recently. Shebendopol in West Bengal, India. Sak Alvarez in Dasmarinas Cavite here in the Philippines, Richard Lemke in Alberta, Canada, and Artur Fernandez Lorilla from Spain. To all of you, thank you very much. Reception logs for September 2020. September 2, Radio Japan on 13680 in Japanese from Yamada at 2245-SAO-555. September 3, Radio Thailand World Service on 9390 in English from Odentani. At 12.50 SIO 555, September 4, China Radio International on 9965 in English from Beijing. At 12.55 SIO 555, September 6, Transworld Radio on 11.945 in addition from Guam at 10.27 SIO 555, September 6, New Life Station KNLS on 9.580 in English from Anchor Point. At 10.47 SIO 555, September 6, China Radio International on 11.955 in Filipino, Pram Kunming. At 11.50 SIO 454, September 6, Adventist World Radio on 15.495 in Indonesian, Pram Agat Guam. At 11.25 SIO 444, September 7, KBS World Radio 9570 in English. From Jim J at 10.27, SIO 5, 5 September 13, Adventist World Ratio on 12.040 in English. From Agat Guam at 22.10, SIO 4.43, September 13, BBC World Service on 9.410 in English. At 10.48, SIO 5.55, September 16, China Ratio International and 5. 910 in Filipino, Pram Beijing at 11.55 SIO, 555 September 16, China Radio International on 9600 in English, Pram Kunming at 12.16 SIO, 555 September 23, Radio Pilipinas Overseas Service on 12.010 in English, Pram Tinang at 0 to 30 SIO, 444 September 24, NHK Radio Japan on 17.8 one zero in English from Yamada at zero two forty one SIO four 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 September twenty seven Radio Taiwan International and fifteen three two zero in English from Tainan at zero three twenty SIO three 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 September twenty nine China Radio International and twelve zero seven zero in Filipino from Shan at 11.41, SIO 555. And September 30, Voice of Vietnam on 12.020 in English from Suntai. At 12.35, SIO 333. Send us your comments, suggestions, reception logs, and informations to PilipinasDX at Chiaho.com. That's P-I-L-I-P-I-N-A-S-D-X. PilipinasDX at Chiaho. That come. This has been Henry Maday for Wavescan in Bacolod City, Negresol Central, Central Philippines, saying mabuhay at maraming salamat po. Thank you, Henry. 
As we move through the alphabetic list of Australian three-letter shortwave call signs in the VL series, we come to the call sign VLT. All of these VL call signs were allocated originally for use by the neighboring country of New Zealand. Initially, they were usually applied to locally registered ships that plied the Pacific in the passenger cargo trade. Here again is Ray Robinson. Our Australian call sign in WaveScan today, VLT, was applied first to the New Zealand-registered cargo and passenger ship, the Mai Tai. This ship was built for Pacific service by Swan Hunter at Newcastle-on-Tyne in England in 1892, though initially it was known as the Miawera, an Australian Aboriginal word meaning the large flightless bird, the emu. During its first year, the Miawera was wrecked in Honolulu Harbour, and subsequently in a field in Norway. And later again, it lost a propeller in the Pacific and floated aimlessly with 200 people aboard for two months. Just seven years after it was launched, the Miawera was sold to the Union Steamship Company of New Zealand, where it was renamed Mai Tai in honour of a river in the South Island of New Zealand. During a visit to England in 1910, wireless equipment was installed on the SS Mai Tai, and it was allotted the Marconi callsign MGM. This ship also carried a batch of new wireless equipment for installation by the government at various locations in New Zealand. Just before the beginning of World War I, the Mai Tai callsign MGM was dropped in exchange for a New Zealand allocation, as it was back then, VLT. On Christmas Day 1916, the Mai Tai was again wrecked, this time permanently. This ship, with a consignment of Model T motor cars, ran aground on South Reef at Avarua in the Cook Islands. During the following year, 1917, a German raider ship, the Sea Adler, which means Sea Eagle, under the captainship of Felix von Luckner, approached Avarua at night with the intent of shelling the main town. However, when the German sailors observed the wrecked steamship on the reef, they mistook it for an armed navy vessel, and so the Sea Adler hastily departed. Another ship that plied the Pacific on behalf of Union Steamship of New Zealand was subsequently allotted the VLT callsign, and that was the SS Kaituna. This is what happened. The Kaituna was a general freighter built by Osborne and Graham at Sunderland in England in 1904, under its original name Needwood. During the following year, 1905, the Needwood was purchased by the Union Steamship Company of New Zealand and renamed Kaituna, also in honour of a river in New Zealand, though this time in the North Island. During the year 1914, the previously mentioned ship Mai Tai was requisitioned by the New Zealand Navy as a troop carrier, and the VLT callsign was dropped in favour of a Navy callsign. During the following year 1915, the vacant callsign VLT was then recycled and allocated to the Kaituna. This ship was sold to Hong Kong in 1931, it was captured by the Japanese during the Pacific War, and it was wrecked off the coast of Japan ten years later. The next usage of the callsign VLT was in New Guinea under the Australian mandate. Gold was discovered at Bulolo during the Australian colonial era, and dredging was commenced in 1932. Soon afterwards, the well-known Australian radio company AWA established a wireless station at Bulolo, 
under the irregular callsign GF, indicating Goldfield. However, during the following year, 1933, the station was granted a regularised callsign VLT. By that time, the radio callsign prefix for New Zealand had been changed from VL to ZL, and the VL sequence had been transferred to Australia and its territories. In February 1940, international radio monitors in the United States noted that the new shortwave service Australia Calling, later Radio Australia, was heard on several occasions under the callsign VLT. This temporary usage of the VLT callsign was from a well-known AWA transmitter at Pennant Hills, Sydney, which was on the air as a fill-in by the old VK2ME when other transmitters were under maintenance. The occasional frequencies in use were 9590, 9610 and 9650 kHz, all of which were verified accordingly. Four years later, VLT was noted again in the United States on 11800 kHz. Back to New Guinea again, and this time we find that the Australian shortwave callsign VLT was officially applied to a new 2 kW ABC transmitter that was installed near Port Moresby. This unit was taken into service on August 2, 1948, and it was on the air on three different frequencies, VLT5 on 7280 kHz, VLT6 on 6130 kHz, and VLT7 on 9520 kHz. On October the 29th, 1963, a new 10-kilowatt shortwave transmitter replaced the original 2-kilowatt unit, and when Papua New Guinea obtained independence on December the 1st, 1971, the callsign VLT was changed to P2T. Back towards the end of last century, Radio Australia operated a temporary shortwave relay station at coastal Carnarvon in Western Australia. One of the three transmitters in use in this facility was designated as VLM at 300 kilowatts. In the mid-1990s, this station was progressively closed and the equipment was transferred to other locations. At that stage, Radio Australia announced that the 300 kilowatt VLM at Carnarvon would be installed at Radio Australia Darwin as VLT. However, before the 300 kilowatt VLM was removed from Carnarvon and reinstalled at the Cox Peninsula Darwin station, two brand new 250 kilowatt Thompson units were installed, one of which took over the VLT service. But then the Darwin station was soon afterwards sold and subsequently unceremoniously closed and dismantled, with the Thompson units making their way to THWH in Palau, where they remain to this day. Back to you, Jeff. Thanks again, Ray. Wolfgang Buschel in Germany carried a report from veteran DXer and longtime friend Don Moore, who reported in Glenn Hauser's World of Radio that Radio Libertad, a 50-kilowatt AM radio station in Barranquilla, on the Caribbean coast of Colombia, began a few weeks ago to carry a relay of the Voice of America in Spanish on its frequency of 600 kilohertz from midnight to 0300 UTC, Tuesday through Saturday, and midnight to 0200 on Sunday and Monday. This is presumably an attempt to reach listeners in neighboring Venezuela. Here's what it sounds like at midnight UTC at the beginning of the transmission. Escuchan Cadena Radial La Libertad. 
Esta es su estación Radio Libertad, HJHJ, 50.000 vatios de potencia en antena, transmitiendo en su frecuencia 600 kHz, desde Barranquilla, Puerta de Oro de Colombia. La siguiente producción es responsabilidad de sus realizadores y no expresa la opinión editorial de Radio Libertad en su contenido y comentarios. Aquí comienza Enlace Internacional con la Voz de América. Saludamos a nuestra audiencia en Colombia, Venezuela y el mundo por la frecuencia de Radio Libertad 600 AM en Barranquilla, Colombia y en simultánea por internet en www.cadenaradiallalibertad.com.co Desde Washington le saluda Gonzalo Abarca. Le damos la bienvenida a Radio Libertad 600 AM en Barranquilla como emisora afiliada al Sistema de Noticias de la Voz de América. El gobierno estadounidense presentó el miércoles un plan para que las vacunas contra el coronavirus sean gratuitas, pese a que existe un escepticismo generalizado entre las personas sobre la seguridad del antídoto. En un informe al Congreso y en un documento con recomendaciones para las agencias de salud estatales, federales y locales. The Voice of America in Spanish there, being relayed by Radio Libertad on 600 AM from Barranquilla, Colombia. The DRM, or Digital Radio Mundial Consortium, says that a new era has begun for Brazilian radio broadcasting with the arrival and installation of a shortwave digital radio DRM transmitter developed and manufactured in the city of Porto Alegre by BT Transmitters. The transmitter will be located at the public broadcaster EBC's Rodeador Park near the capital Brasilia and it will be connected to one of the large shortwave antennas used by EBC's Radio Nacional da Amazonia. The 2.5-kilowatt transmitter will be tested on an experimental and scientific basis with the help of the University of Brasilia and the Ministry of Science, Technology and Innovation. Radio Nacional da Amazonia broadcasts from Brasilia to the northern Amazon region of Brazil. The signal will also be available in the neighboring countries to the north of Brazil. This is primarily a domestic shortwave DRM project aimed at the Amazon, where about 7 million riverside and indigenous people live. They're located far from any other means of communication, as there's no mobile phone or internet coverage. Rafael Diniz, the chairman of the DRM Brazilian platform, says that shortwave digital radio, DRM, for the Amazon region will ensure a new level of communication and information, as Radio Nacional's programming is both popular and educational. It brings audio and much more at low energy cost to whole communities there. With the adoption of digital radio, he continues, one of the major problems, that of poor sound quality affecting, at times, shortwave, will end. Listeners will be able to enjoy DRM broadcasts in shortwave with a quality similar to that of a local FM station, together with textual and visual multimedia content. This is a huge step forward, says Roxandra Obreja, DRM Consortium Chair, not just for Brazil, but for the whole of Latin America. When everything else fails or does not exist, DRM will provide information, education, emergency warning and entertainment 
at reduced energy costs. Rafael Diniz tells Wavescan that the 2.5-kilowatt DRM transmitter will not use one of Radio Nacional de Amazonia's two current shortwave frequencies, 6180 and 11780 kHz. He says the DRM transmission will be in the 25-meter band, but we don't know the exact frequency yet or exactly when this transmitter is expected to go on the air. So we'll keep a watch out for this. And let me mention an email that we recently received from Lu Da Cheng in Yiwu City, Xijiang Province in China. He says, my name is Lu Da Cheng. I'm a loyal listener from China. I've been listening to WaveScan in English for almost 10 years. I'm also a shortwave listener. I heard your programs on Sunday via WRMI and AWR. I listened to the interview of the Voice of Vietnam English section. I am from Nanning City, Guangxi Zhuang Autonomous Region in China. It's very close to Vietnam. This city has a railway and bus line to Hanoi, the capital of Vietnam. In my hometown, I can listen to all languages of VOV on shortwave via the transmitters at Son Tai, Mei Tri, and Dak Lak. I feel very surprised to know more about the broadcasting history. In this email, I want to enclose some photos of Dongxing City. I visited the city in January of 2020. Dongxing is located in the south part of Guangxi Zhuang Autonomous Region, China. Dongxing is a border city with Vietnam. The opposite city is Mang Tsai in Quang Ninh Province of Vietnam. These two cities are separated by a small river. They're connected by the China-Vietnam Friendship Bridge. It has the customs buildings of two countries and the national gates. There are many Vietnamese foods and other products in Dongxing City. The prices are cheap. The famous Vietnamese souvenirs are candies, nuts, perfumes, etc. Thank you very much, Lu Cheng in Yiwu City, Shijiang Province of China. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson. Next week, a radio update on shortwave from Mount Everest. And we'll have our Bangladesh DX report as well. Several QSL cards are available for this program. Send your AWR and KSDA reception reports for WaveScan to the AWR address in Bangkok, Thailand, and also to the station your radio is tuned to, WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa, or to IRRS Italy, or to the AWR relay stations that carry WaveScan. Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air. Here in the program, they will also verify with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The email address for AWR QSLs is qsl at awr.org. The postal address for AWR QSL cards is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, that's P-R-A-K-A-N-O-N-G, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. Again, that's Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. 
The email address for other correspondence to Wavescan is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI in Okeechobee, Florida, USA. Till next week, good listening, everyone. <laughs>